0: Hey, it's me david webb and here's a highlight from today's show on sirius xm patriot america needs leaders and those leaders many of them may be found in our bodies in the house of representative in the congress And someone who certainly stepped out onto the stage is Tim Scott. Uh, The senator joins me now. He has a brand-new book. It's called Redemption, A Praise for America, A Redemption Story. Uh, And, Senator, as you write and as you state on the cover of the book, Choosing Hope, Creating Unity, given where we are now as a country, redemption is a part of life that i believe in and i believe you do as well but choosing hope creating unity we are in a very tumultuous time absolutely david
1: thank you for having me on the show again i will say without any question now is the time that we should unify we should be unified around the fact that we believe in certain principles key principles that govern human flourishing and today as we look to the left you see that they don't believe the way that most of the country believes. And the truth is that by choosing hope and creating unity, we will galvanize our conservative movement and take back the majority in the House and the Senate. And I think we move this country in the right direction. We certainly need now more than ever a real agenda focused on galvanizing those of us in this country who believe in the foundational principles that has led to the greatest country on earth, being the beacon in the midst of darkness and the city on the hill. My book, America, A Redemption Story, talks about the journey that I have taken and the journey that our country has gone through in order to be where we are, which is a magnificent place. We are going through, David, really hard times right now, without any question. And that's why we need a dose of reality that things are much better, much better, and the democrats tell us that they are
0: well let's talk about where we are now redemption from a history something that we have overcome in this country so many bad things uh slavery segregation women's rights uh workers rights the people of advanced technology where we are today and as a culture we've evolved along with that legally and culturally But Democrats, for their part, or the left, I'm going to just use the term the left, however they ascribe the name to themselves uh, in the Senate or in the House or around the country, have advanced their agenda by getting into our systems, our institutions, our bureaucracies, and they they are ensconced in these areas and not coming out even just with a change in the Senate or the House of Representatives. The president is will be there till 2024, uh, but the fact is that the bureaucracies and agencies outlast the politicians. So that battle is a lot deeper than just an election year.
1: Absolutely, David. One of the things I've spoken about for the last several years is that we should stop thinking about election cycles and think about generational change. One of the things that the left has done really well is their approach to incrementalism. And in my book, America, The Redemption Story, I talk about how my life was transformed by good people of good conscience on, frankly, both sides of the aisle. When you talk about the obstacles that we face, you talked about 1865, the segregated South, the Jim Crow South. The one thing that we have to continue is that because of civil war, we actually fought and freed those humans, those beautiful people who deserve to be free, people like you and me. But this nation went to war with itself, one of the few nations on earth that ever went to war with itself so that all men and women would be free. You think about the Jim Crow South. And the solutions that were brought, led by Republicans, you think about the 1965s, more Republicans voted during the 1960s for the civil rights legislation than Democrats. You think about women's suffrage. You think about overcoming segregation. You have both sides of the ledger must be understood to, to really appreciate American progress. And today, that's not what we're hearing. We are literally only getting one side of the ledger, and I believe it stokes polarization. I believe it leads to people being more tribal. That's one of the reasons why, David, you and I and many others like us have experienced the greatness of this country, because we see people, not partisans, we see people. We react from our conservative principles because we know they work. We know also that the liberal approach hasn't worked it certainly hasn't not worked for the people living in marginalized communities and we can tell the story of america's greatness that is anchored in conservative
0: principles well you know to that point of marginalized communities and those are you know, the ones that pay the highest price economically. You look at food prices, you look at inflation, you look at the variety of economic woes. But where we are today in America, all are paying a price. Some may be able to bear it over time a little bit better, wealthier people, larger corporations over smaller mom and pop businesses uh, for that example, but all are paying a price. And where we are now, if America continues down this path led by these policies and not opposed effectively by the Republican Party, whether at the state or federal level, and fought back and won against, then when wealth leaves, when corporations falter and fail, all the various issues that are that are hitting us right now, this country will pay a big price, and it's not just about the poor anymore.
1: Well, David, this entire new Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, is a joke, it should be the Inflation Seduction Act, it, it literally raises taxes by $739 billion, which means that people living on the margins – small business owners and people who are investing in companies will have a higher burden for any type of return on their invested dollar. We're going to spend, or they are going to spend $433 billion on priorities that the American people feel are out of step with what we should focus on. We know what we should focus on. We should focus on the economy, on inflation, on gas. We should focus on police reform and police funding to combat the crime wave throughout big blue cities and the rest of the country. But instead, the Democrats celebrated 8.7 percent inflationary rate because it's down from 9.1. But the bottom line is it's down because the demand is down because we're teetering on a recession. So you're 100 percent right, David. We're not talking about something that only affects the marginalized communities. It starts there and the weight is heaviest there. But every other facet of our communities, the nation as a whole, will bear the brunt, the weight of this new legislation that the House is working on. I believe they're passing it today, as opposed to focusing on what the American people want more of. They want more of their money in their pockets like we did from 2016 to 2020 during the Trump administration. We literally gave them back $4,000 on average of their tax revenue. Because we cut their taxes and we put them in charge of their lives and we took the charge or the responsibility and control out of the hands of Washington. That's a good move. So we have a contrast that is really important for the American people to see.
0: Senator Scott is my guest, Senator Tim Scott. You talk about the House Democrats and the Inflation Reduction Act. Again, they will pass it today. The president will sign it. Uh, That is baked in, as I like to say. Now comes the next question. We've heard the, the, the statements from various leaders in the House and Senate on the Republican side. What can the Senate do? When and if given the majority, the Republicans look to take the House majority. uh, That's more likely the Senate is, uh, I would say, not necessarily a toss up, but questionable at this point. But what would you do? What would Republicans do not just talk about if they pass this act today as expected?
1: Well, David, really good question. And it's one of the reasons why we must win the majority In both the House and the Senate, one of the things that I talked about in America, Redemption story, is the importance of winning. We have to win these elections. And one of the ways that you'll see the results of us winning, let me say this, number one, oversight. The current administration has very little, if any, oversight because the House and the Senate are controlled by the Democrats. So there's no one calling to the carpet, the regulators. There's no one calling to the carpet, the DOJ. There's no one calling to the carpet, the Biden administration and and their priorities. There's no one calling to the carpet, the Department of Treasury. We need the type of oversight that restores confidence from the American people in their institutions of government. Number two, we should be the party of parents. We have to continue to put parents back in control of education one of the bills that I have is to take the unused money from the ARPA, the first legislation passed $1.9 trillion debacle, 93% of the money given to schools has not been touched. Why don't we give much of that money to the parents so that they can help their children with learning laws? Why don't we give that money to the parents so that they can hire tutors for their kids so they can choose better schools if necessary for their kids? So becoming and being the party of parents, having the type of oversight, and of course the obvious elephant in the room, let's restart American energy production and at the very least have that debate until we win back the White House in 2024.
0: But Senator, I've got to go back to oversight. When does oversight and is oh, is it possible for oversight to become action? Your points about parents and restarting American energy all important. But another 740 billion, 370 billion to green energy projects, uh, all these other things, oversight and, and a committee hearing is one thing. but you know, in the sense of using the power, of the purse, we have a bill that was passed through reconciliation in the Senate. That means there's a possibility of a reaction if Republicans have the majority. What about action, not just oversight? Oversight
1: is the beginning of action from my perspective, David. You think about the Supreme Court case, West Virginia versus the EPA that reigned in the the bureaucratic state? as it relates to them having to stick them to congressional intent. If there's no congressional intent and you have oversight, then you can call that to the carpet, especially when the White House is still controlled by the Democrats. We're going to have to use oversight as the first step towards actionable steps that lead to outcomes that people can celebrate. Secondly, I'd say through oversight, we have a chance to have this conversation in the banking committee, the ESG, the environmental social justice governance cabal that's happening throughout the banking and financial institutions. Oversight brings all that to the surface. It calls in the head of the SEC. It calls in the heads of our major banking institutions, and we tell them to make decisions based on the credit worthiness of the borrower, not their environmental footprint. Not who's on the board of directors, but can they pay back the loan? It's that kind of oversight that will lead our country and, frankly, elected officials to be willing to do their jobs as opposed to whatever they want to do.
0: My guest, Senator Tim Scott, is book, America, a Redemption Story, uh, Choosing Hope, Creating Unity, uh, getting a great deal of praise, as I said earlier. Uh, congratulations again on the book, Senator. A couple of uh, questions. I know our time is somewhat limited here uh, on other issues. We saw the raid uh, that Merrick Garland now uh, tells us. He signed off personally. And Trump, on uh, the former president, Donald Trump, at Mar-a-Lago, your reaction, we have now learned more about this, dozens of agents going through uh, Mar-a-Lago, what's your reaction?
1: I think it was unprecedented, stunning, and frankly, they're cookie crumbs that I see today because President Trump has said, listen, release the warrant." He is cooperating. That tells me that the unprecedented nature of violating a president's, former president's residence looking for a Presidential Records Act violation should have all of us enraged, to be honest with you. His cooperation is a strong signal that there is nothing to be found there. Garland's comments about personally signing off on the raid does not give any American, in my opinion, or at least not the ones I've spoken to, comfort. What we want is oversight. We want to be able to bring in the DOJ. We want to be able to bring in the FBI and understand what they were thinking. And if we win the majority, we can actually do that. I think, frankly, this should not have happened. And I pray that it never happens again, because if they can weaponize the Department of Justice against the former president, imagine what they
0: can do to you or to me. Senator, uh, you mentioned majorities earlier. You've been asked about this uh, in uh, the recent in the recent week or so. Uh, your endorsement of Lisa Murkowski, uh, who, by the way, her competitor Kelly uh, Shabaka is a Trump endorsed candidate in Alaska for that Senate race. Uh, your endorsement of Lisa Murkowski. Certainly, I
1: I, I am. Uh, Happy that I endorsed Lisa. Not everyone else is. I will say that conservatives can have differences without much of a question. But Lisa was there when we needed to pass our Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It was a team vote, shirts versus skins, and we had only enough votes to get it done. Lisa was there for us. You look at two out of the three Supreme Court justices that was a part of this New Roe v. Wade ruling. She voted for two out of the three of them. I voted for all three, of course. You uh, look at the work that we did on trying to stop the Inflation Reduction Act. She was there with us there as well. So while there are things that I dis- we disagree with vehemently with Lisa on, the fact of the matter is she's been a part of the team and been very helpful overall from my perspective. I'd also say that we are going to spend, as Republicans, trying to win back the majority more $1.5 to $2 billion. I would rather focus our resources and, and our energies on the races that we must win that are today going to be very difficult for us to win. One of the reasons, David, that you said that the Senate is a toss if we're lucky to win back the majority is because we are working very hard and still struggling to get some of our candidates to the place that they're going to be successful in November. It is going to take a Herculean effort for us to win back the majority in the Senate, I think we'll get it done but we'll get it done by focusing on winning the races. I'd also note that incumbents uh, have a power that is helpful in their reelections. And frankly, as a colleague of mine, I found that I have endorsed almost every colleague I have. I don't know that if there's a colleague that has up for reelection this year that I have not already endorsed. So I am, I'm looking forward to helping this team win in Georgia with Herschel Walker's race. We need to win in North Carolina with Ted Budd's race. We've, have J.D. Vance in Ohio. We have Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. We have Tiffany Smiley in Washington that I think is an outlier that can win her race as well. We need to lean into these competitive races where incumbents are not running in order to have a shot at winning back the majority in the Senate.
0: Senator Tim Scott, his book, America, a Redemption Story, Choosing Hope, Creating Unity. Uh, Congratulations on the book, sir. Thank you for joining me this morning. God bless. Have a great day. Thank you, David. Thank you. You can join me live on the David Webb Show, Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on SiriusXM Patriot 125.